Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing all right, thanks. How about last week, huh? Last week was pretty dope. We had a great week. Uh, started off with the podcast that we did with 14 of our friends coming over here, and we called it... An open mic night. Open mic night. So we had all of these friends come over and tell their greatest stories, like... Like Diani talking about putting her foot on a girl's face and pulling the girl's hair into her foot and getting blood on her shoes. That was one. Yeah. That was a good way to start. We had Mark Ballard come over and talk about getting uh, his fish tickets scammed from a scalper. Yeah, we had uh, Marissa Mendez talk about when she was 16 years old and her parents found her diary and made her read it in front of everybody... All of her friends, all of her friends' parents. Oh, my God. We had uh, we had a Mecca Obi talk about when he went to the Gathering of the Juggalos and his first time meeting the Insane Clown Posse with Danny Brown. I mean, should we go through all 14? We had... Well, here's what, here's what people should do. Instead of us doing this right now, I think they should probably go back, check out last week's episode, 14 of our friends, called it Open Mic Night. We're going to probably do it again because it was so successful. Yeah, um, I mean, we're going to do it again. It was really great. Check that out. It's available on SoundCloud, on iTunes. Also, we should say that we got to stop by Wiz Khalifa listening party and where they were giving out free tattoos did you get any i did not i'm jewish okay right did you uh indulge in any of the weed in any of the weed that night no but i did um i did get like a sore throat i think from that probably you know what's funny is that uh which is the lamest excuse to go home with after a Wiz Khalifa thing. I got a sore throat from the weed, from the weed smoke. I don't know. It sounds it sounds pretty tough. They were smoking funny cigarettes. <laughs> did you see that Michael Strahan was in the building? I did not see that. Oh, he he was. Uh another funny thing is that we were we were hanging out with Mikey Fresh from uh misinfo.tv. We're standing next to him and he looks to our right and you see all these camera flashes and everything and he goes, "Oh my god, it's Amber Rose." About Two, two feet away feet from her yeah, yeah right to her face Shout you out are to amber Mikey. rose you are here <laughs> uh and then the next night we went to a listening party for yogati in the same exact spot amber rose was not there she was not there that's why mikey fresh didn't yell amber rose is here that's right um but uh we should also say that last week we had the privilege of opening up for the i'll name this podcast later live podcast from sobs yes for uh, joe budden and friends uh, yes. marissa mendez and rory yeah and so they asked us to to come on board and we we opened up and we did a a shorter podcast than usual but we got to invite our friend dj enough by the way none of these joe budden fans knew that we were supposed to be there so they were just like why the fuck are we waiting for these guys to finish i just want to see joe budden i drove eight states to be here well, they were not happy. Well, you know who was happy? Us. We were happy. Uh, yeah. we had a we had a lot of fun. Shouts to DJ enough for coming through. Shouts to SOBs for having us, and shouts especially to Rory and Marissa and Joe for inviting us. And we'll probably get to this podcast when. Um, hold on. Oh no, no, no I'm sorry, sorry. Yeah, right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, aka Bitch Made, aka Puppies. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, aka Gonna Leave Yoga, aka Namaste. Hey, it's Big Spanish, DJ Enough, heavy hitters. Yeah, and this is a waste of time with this, the real. Yo, thanks enough. for coming through, Enough. This is how you guys really introduce the show. Every, yeah, time. every time. Every time. We've done it with Stevie Wonder. We've That's done crazy. it with, you know, Dwayne well, Wade. We didn't do the gunshots for Stevie Wonder. That would have been, like, a little bit too much sensory too much, overload. Yeah. yeah. Um... But anyway, <laughs> thanks for coming through. No problem. Thanks for making that walk from like one block over. No this problem. This is the easiest interview that has ever happened. For ever. You. Do you have any good Joe Budden stories? Um, have you ever played Monopoly with Joe Budden? No, I never oh, I have. I yeah. heard about that. No. Yeah, we've heard about that too. No, me, me and Joe weren't really tight like that. Joe, I don't know why. I think Joe didn't like me. 
Really? Nah, it's a joke. Uh, I'm only playing. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I was in Joe Button's first video. I mean, that Pump It Up video. Were you really? Yeah. I mean, Joe has a problem with the Pump It Up song. But see, that's the problem. <laughs> he hates that song. Do you still love it? I still love that song. I don't know why you go, he doesn't like it. <laughs> it's a hot song. Just Blaze produced that song. I, it's unbelievable. I don't like it. It's a great song. Yeah. What are your go-to records right now? Joe Button, Pump It Up. <laughs> How you don't play that? Y'all don't like Joe Button, Pump It Up? Yes? All right, put your hands up if you like Joe Button, Pump It Up. Yeah. It represents world. the essence, right? It represents the beginning, right? Put your hands up if you want that introspective Joe Button. <laughs> yeah, see? Put your hands up if you want that loving hip-hop Joe Button. <laughs> you guys are wrong. By the way, by the way, who out there follows DJ Khaled on Snapchat? Yo, I, I got a real question. How many of... So you guys know what, like, elliptical talk is, right? When, like, Khaled... Do you know what this is? So you know Snapchat, right? Okay, so so Khaled is like the biggest Snapchat guy. He's getting what? Three? I mean, he's getting smaller. He's on the elliptical. No, no, I know, I know. But yeah. he's getting like three million people like watching his stuff, yes. right? And any clip, three million BuzzFeed fans. Khaled is out there, super huge, like bigger than he ever was in music, whatever. Just as a personality, he jumps on an elliptical, films himself for ten seconds at a time, sweating, shouts out like, you know, these things trying to like inspire people. Yeah. Say like, you know. You Stay. can never run in place because it's always ahead of you or something. You're right, just like, yeah. I don't know what that means. Like, it's, it's crazy, right? And he's, he's huge, and he'll go out, and people will run to him like the Beatles, right? Like, just fan love. Would you guys, how many of you would pay to see Khaled at SOBs on an elliptical right here doing elliptical talk? Really? No more? That seems low. I really thought, like, at least half of you would. I definitely would pay... Whatever it took to watch Khaled up here sweating and yelling but stupid shit. My question is, how long do you think that could go on for? Because I bet that like he only like runs runs for like five minutes. When's the first time the enough? When is the first time you met Khaled? Oh, you want to hear a funny story? Please. All right, this is a funny story. So, ninety nine, two thousand, me Stretch Armstrong, Kid Capri. Maybe Camilla was just starting. We kind of ran the beach, Miami. We ran it. So every year, we go down to Miami. We tear it down. We tear it down. We tear it down. Every year, Cal is trying to get on the turntables. <laughs> and then one year, I think he was just getting down with Fat Joe back then. And then Fat Joe and his peoples and Macho was like, enough. If you don't let Cal get on the turntables... We're going to turn these fucking turntables upside down. <laughs> so I'm like, come on, Joe. Cut this shit out. He was like, no, serious. The nigga's from Miami. He's doing his thing. Nah, 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 nah. And I was like, all right. Let the kid play. <laughs> the kid comes with like 200 records stacked up like this high. And he's flipping through them. And he makes a movie. And, I, and actually, Khaled, no bullshit, is a real good DJ. Mm -hmm. Like he's technically an incredible DJ. We, we opened up the doors. And then ever since then, it's it's crazy. Like to this day, Khaled is still called, Facetime me. Yeah, enough. Madonna just called. <laughs> I said what? Madonna just called. It's crazy. <laughs> I would go to your birthday party, but Madonna just called. I'm like, what do you mean Madonna called? What did she want you to do? 
she wants me to be on stage with her at her concert. So this is what's happening because of the Snapchat. Yeah, it's incredible. It's yeah. Madonna talk. Yeah, In Madonna talk. You're from Ocean Avenue. Ocean in Avenue, Brooklyn. Brooklyn, Flatbush. What up? Uh, <laughs> are there a lot of uh, Puerto Ricans around there or no? Nah, not really. Yeah. <laughs> not was, really. Yeah, I was wondering. Do you have any good Puerto Rican Day parade stories? Um, I think the first one I ever did was uh, it might have been like '98. Good year. 97, something like that. And um, Big Pun was on fire around that time. I think Big Pun had a big tractor trailer or something like that. So anyway, my first time doing it, you know, back then we were using turntables. And these floats bounce up and down, back and forth. There's nothing, there's nothing steady about it. I think I was just so nervous to be accepted, I guess, by my own people. <laughs> Does that make any sense? You know, anyway, so shout out Puerto Rico, up and down Fifth Avenue, DJing, playing some of the greatest you know, hip-hop songs at that time, I think I had to take a shit by the time I got to 86th Street <laughs> and throw up at the same time. So I literally threw up, took a shit on a local diner on 86th Street, and I swear to God, it's a true story. <laughs> and then, um, but after that, I was good. I don't know. It's like, I've been, on the, I've been all over the world with Biggie. I, I've, I've done a lot of great concerts and tours, and none of that stuff fazed me. Right. It was it was the PR parade on Fifth Avenue in '97 that got me sick. Now you know how people like sometimes have a uh, like you know a routine when before they go on stage they like to like throw up or something like that. Does that happen every year at the Puerto Rican Day Parade? No, no, no. It was good. Only that one time. That's like it. it went so well in '98. After that, continue it, was it good. every time. Now it was, but every year after that it was like a you know I used to look at my ex coworkers at that time. You know Angie Martinez, Big Dennis, and I would look at them like. You know, because they've done it so many years before I even got there. I looked at them, you know, with the uh, support, and I was like, am I here yet? And they were like, oh, not yet, not yet. <laughs> so every year it was like they would say my name, and the crowd would say it just a little bit more louder. But I think in around 2002, 2003, they said my name, and it was just like a rumbling roar. And then Angie looked at me, and she was like, you're here now. <laughs> So that was kind of like a touching moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what was the, when did you first meet Pun? Wow. I don't remember when I actually first, first met him. All I remember was I was on the road back then a lot with Biggie, and I remember going to Fat Joe had a store, 560, up in the Bronx back in the days where he just sell all these, like, custom Fat Joe jackets and stuff. And he kept telling us. What size us, were they? They were 5X, 6X. Those jackets were big back then. So it's Even if he was a 2X, you probably wore a 4X. That was the style. Yeah. But um, he kept saying, no, I got this rapper. He's amazing. Big pun. He's the, he's the illest. But he kept asking me what the Biggie stories were like because he just felt like when it was pun's turn, he wanted to just, you know, pick my brain because he was like, think about it. You know, back then, there was no sex. The only three fat guys I know who made it that you know were considered sex symbols afterwards was Heavy D, Big Pun, and Biggie. That's it. There's nobody else. So if you could think of anybody else, I'm DJ enough. To, yeah, what A <laughs> Ball? Not A Ball from MJG, right? right? No, 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 no. No girls. Girls find him very sexy. That's rude. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But I, he kept picking up. You know, he kept picking his brain uh, about my brain about the. Uh, about the pun to I mean the Biggie tours and I just I guess when I finally got to meet him it had to be around loud days in 99 2000 mm -hmm. cuz um 
I used to do the morning show at Stormbuck Wild for a little while. And we went from the morning show to Loud Records to hang out all afternoon because it was a party. You know, like Mob Deep would show up, Wu Tang would show up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Fat Joe would show up. Big Pun would show up. Everybody on Loud would show up. And Just to hang out. Yeah, hang out. We smoke weed, drink, party. I'm like, this is a fucking record label. It's crazy. <laughs> but that was my routine. Morning show, Loud Records. And it was like, like that for years. It was crazy. Were you surprised that no work was getting done at a record label? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, back then, yeah. But after a while, I kind of got it. What record label did you do work for? I worked for Def Jam. I did A&R for Def Jam for about two about two years, three years. Who brought you in over there? Uh, Kevin Lyles. And what? Um, Kevin Lyles used to have... Def Jam used to be right down the block. And I used to go from Hot 97 to have lunch with the president of Def Jam Records. And I, I noticed that motherfucker was always picking my brain. <laughs> like, hey, so how about this record? And this... And this. I said, yo, and I started, he was using me. <laughs> so I said, why don't you just hire me? Give me a job. And he fucking hired me. Amazing. Yeah, that's it. Uh, what artists did you work over there? I mean, a bunch of them, but I decided there's a lot of politics when it comes to the labels. There's a lot of things you guys might not know. Sometimes A&R people sign artists to stop them from coming out. You know, so if you got somebody who sounds like DMX... And you feel like there's, he might be a threat or she might be a threat. Then you name the label, job rule. The, the, the label will go in and sign that person and shelve them. And at the end of the day, it's just a write-off. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of that happened. And then a lot of it was probably based on, hey, you're on the radio. You work at the label. Maybe you could just play the records and let's see if it pops off. But I wasn't trying to go that route. We know that you originally wanted to get into the Big Dog Pitbulls. And Funk Flex was like, mm, I'm good. So what made you start Heavy Hitters? Uh, there's a kid who passed away. He was in, um, from Long Island, Dominican-Irish kid by the name of DJ Threat. He was called the Turntable Assassin. And he was a up-and-coming DJ out of Long Island who just finished working with Jada Kiss and the Locks on the Rough Rider album. And he was in the streets promoting that, promoting... You know, he was carrying my crates back then. We had records. Heavy. And he had just got hired literally that weekend to do Atlantic Records. He was going to do a job at, over at Atlantic Records. And then that Mother's Day weekend, he passed away. He was on his motorcycle and, and in a freak accident died. But it was, his, it was his baby. He was like, well, if Flex don't want to put you down with the crew, fuck him. Let's make our own crew. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So... I, I didn't think about it at the time. My handle was, you know, the heavy hitter DJ enough. And he was just like, just call it the heavy hitters. And we all just be down with you. And, and we ride for you. And then the first thing was like, well, who are we going to put down? And it was like, obviously him. Because he thought of the idea. And we had no clue. There was no basis on, like, there was no criteria for the, for the crew at the time. And I think we were in Midtown outside of some, like, some after work party. And he was like, who are we going to put down? And I was like. Then Camillo walks around the corner carrying his crates and the shit. I said, we like Camillo. He's a cool dude. Let's put Camillo down. And that's how it started. So it was me, DJ Camillo, and DJ Threat. And we started the world-famous heavy hitter DJ crew. And so, like, you know, Kanye's a heavy hitter. How does Kanye become a heavy hitter? Um, by that time, we were probably, like, 10 deep. Uh, we were doing uh, mixtapes out of the RPM office, the legendary Renee McLean uh, Profit office on 38th Street. And we were putting out mixtapes, and um, I remember specifically Kanye coming to the studio, 
and want to be a heavy hitter. And I'm like, dog, it's not for artists it's, and producers. It's for DJs. And he's like, nah, nah, I'm going to change your mind. I'm going to change your mind. I'm going to make you, you know. And I'm like, this guy's fucking a pain. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, he came with, uh, I think it was him most, Quali. They must have did like an event for OK Player back then or something. And they were just in the office, and he just kept coming and coming. And he did a couple of freestyles, and then he wanted me to put out his first mixtape. Um, and we put it out, and nobody wanted it. <laughs> and I remember specifically putting the CDs out, and, and the record stores calling like, uh, "We don't want this. We need your mixtape." Like that kind of stuff. But then, yeah. like a month or two later, they started calling, "Hey, what's that? Remember that guy, the Kanye West? You got any of those mixtapes?" Like, I don't know what they did with them, but it just started to buzz, like almost like. And six nobody's or heard from him since. I know. Yeah, I, I can't even get him on the phone. Was he ever willing to get in uh, on those uh, phone calls for record pools? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. Actually, yeah, he did all that what stuff did? in the beginning. He did drops. He did all that shit. <laughs> in the beginning, he did all that stuff. Now it's like it's hard to get him on the phone. It's hard to even catch him. But I was there at a club called Bed when they launched Good Music and you were spinning that night. That's right. Back uh, 10 years ago, actually. That's right. For the yeah. Good Music launch. Yeah, he always, you know, he always kept it funky with that. He always hired like me or Tim Buck rest in peace Tim Buck yep. from Chicago or you know some of the original heavy hitters who supported him from day one when did you first get to know Angie Martinez I know Angie Martinez before the radio so she's the one who brought you in yeah she helped bring me in yeah she helped yeah. bring me in it was uh, 93 94 and where would you guys run into each other I don't know we used to hang out oh really White Castles driving really? through Queens yeah <laughs> Yeah, Angie lived in Queens. Angie grew up in Brooklyn. She's from, um, she went to John Dewey, you know, um, middle school, so. You guys would just ride out? Ride out, hang out, you know, get it, get it going. And so, how did she bring up the Hot 97 possibility? Um, when I came off a tour, um, Biggie had just passed away, and I was, I was fucked up. I was in the streets, I was doing drugs, and I was hanging out in my local basketball court playing you know, ball or handball. I blamed it every. I blamed everything on hip hop. So I wanted no parts of it. No parties. No nothing. I was just for like a couple of months. You know, I could have been like four months, five, six months, something like that. Just laying low, chilling. But then I got a phone call from Biggie's management, um, Mark Pitts and Wayne Barrows, and they said Teddy Riley had a new artist, and they asked if I would go on the road with her. And I was like, Who is she? And they said Queen Pen. I said, Who's Queen Pen? But, you know, we, I negotiated the money, and it was like, well, it's not going to be nowhere near what the Biggie stuff was. But I wasn't doing shit anyway, so I said, fuck it. It's this how this how karma works. I ended up riding with that girl for so many spots for damn near nothing, but it took me and got me to Summer Jam. So that year, she performed with Big Pun on stage, you know, during Summer Jam. So during them early, early years of Summer Jam. And I, I remember seeing the, the program director... At the at the top of the stage, like you can't be DJing on my show if you're not gonna be all this yapping. So then I said the same thing. Why don't you just hire me? Stop with the bullshit. Hire me. <laughs> and then a couple of months later, she hired me. I so. like how you're you have the same thing with Kevin Lyles and with the the former program director at Hot Night. Just hire me. Just hire yeah. me. It's yeah. a good line. You know, is that, is know, that what you said? And, to and that goes for everybody out there. You know, people want to always grab me. Just hire me. That's it. Sometimes we talk too much. Hire me. You want me to work for you? Hire me. That's it. 
the former uh, uh, program director was Tracy Clarity. Yeah, the Ice Queen, Tracy <laughs> Clarity. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the Ice Queen, Tracy Clarity, and Queen Pen. Yes, the the Queen. I have a, I have a question about Queen Pen. I I read a crazy story about her and Foxy Brown in Nevada. Were you there for that? No, I wasn't there for that. What happened? Okay, yeah. Well, they uh, Queen Pen got barefoot in a hotel lobby and wanted to fight Foxy Brown. And then Cam and Nori had to come and break it up after Corrupt came through. Oh, wow. No, nah, I never heard that one. <laughs> no, but Queen Pen is crazy. Are you saying that you haven't heard of it because it's still too hot 20 nah, years later? <laughs> no, nah, I, never, I never heard of it. Does Queen Pen have fists? <laughs> Queen, listen, I've done a, Queen Pen is the real deal. I've done a few parties with Queen Pen and like, you know how people throw out money? She threw out food stamps. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> so, okay. So Angie says, let's bring you into Hot 97. Are you ready to take on that challenge of being a radio DJ now? I just, I just want to play music, man. That's it. Just play music. And um, my first two years, I was literally, I went through like 10 hosts. So what, what years are these, by this the way? This is 98 I got hired. So right. I went through Ed Lover, Dr. Dre, some white girl named, uh, oh, shit, I forgot her name. Anyway, some comedian. She was there. Miss Jones, Fat Man Scoop, um, uh, Steph Lover, um, Starbuck Wild. It was a bunch of people. You're I ran out of fingers, by the way. Ran through <laughs> all of them. How and, do you and, even get comfortable I, I, I didn't get comfortable. Yeah. I didn't. And then in 2000, my life changed. I partnered up with my longtime friend, Angie Martinez, and we rocked out. And how long did it take you guys to get comfortable on air? Oh, day one. Because <laughs> I already knew her. Was it just like riding around? Yeah, riding around back in the days. White Castle, Smoking Blunts, Queens Boulevard. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was like regular. So it was, And, you know, she did her. She did me. And she never stepped on my toes. She let me live. It was a great relationship, you know what I'm saying? So she did all the incredible interviews. I just played the music. I played my role. I played my position. I never overstepped my boundaries. I always felt like this was her show. I'm just uh, added peace to it. And then slowly but surely together, we climbed the ladders, and we, you know, we ran the city. Was the plan always to rock out together? Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I did it for 15 years. And then when she left, I was like, oh, shit, she's gone. So, wait, <laughs> did you know that she was going to bounce? I mean, I, I kind of didn't. I kind of knew, but it was, it was coming, but I didn't really know. And then I think like 48 hours into it, I got word. She told me she was leaving, and then she left. Can you talk about what Angie meant to Hot 97? Um, I think she was like the runaway girl, somebody who was regular and who made it. And I think that's why she resonated so well on the radio for so many people because you know people could be like oh i could be that that's my whole girl or i could i could relate to her that's my that's my, my homie she got on the dunks you know the, the shirt the, she wears a hair like this <laughs> big earrings you know that's that's how it was she likes then. white castle the whole thing yeah um when you guys were working together do you have any memorable phone calls like can you talk about cam i think cam was dope when he had beef with uh with uh, G Unit, the, the, yeah, but it was then Alan Rumblock, whatever. Yep, yeah, yeah, but he was on. He was yeah, on his side. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, just yeah. funny. Like, there's a bunch of phone calls. I think some of the, I think some of the big ones were like Barack Obama before he became president, uh, Miss Clinton calling, the actual president calling in. Some of those moments were dope because 
in hip hop radio, you never really had no president or anybody of that stature call a radio station. You know what I'm saying? So it was dope to, to kind of see that happen. Yeah. Uh, any any freestyles that come to mind? Um, Beanie Siegel, Cameron, uh, Jay Z. Um, oh no, Eric Freeway. wants you to, There's a bunch of them. There's Eric wants you them. to do like a hundred bars real quick. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> How did Angie react when you guys put on "If I Could Go" on her last day? <laughs> she was mad. <laughs> she don't like. She don't like reminiscing on any of her rap it's shit. Classic. She doesn't like none of that stuff. By the way, Eric and I almost got her to rap on a song with us. That's right. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, almost. Um, crazy. So uh, when she left. And then Syph left. And then there were changes, and Ebro was all of a sudden on, on the, the morning show. And then you have people like Megan Wright come in, and Nessa in the afternoon. And Miss Info leaves. And Miss Info leaves. Can you talk about what Miss Info meant to Hot 97? Well, I thought Miss Info was the shit. I think she gave, she gave us like a second wave of like credibility, especially during the social, you know, social state that we live in, where maybe some of us older cats like a flex enough and. You know, we, we always dug it. We understand the importance of it, but it wasn't first. It wasn't firsthand nature to us, but for info, it was. And um, she gave official credibility to her. And I'm gonna keep it a hundred. Every time we used to hear shit like rumors, we actually would call her like, "Yo, info, is this is true? Is this happening?" And she's like, "Yo, this is happening." Or if she didn't know, she would make a phone call. Like she was like our point person, like for everything credible. Because there were so many websites and so many blogs putting up phony shit yeah, at that time because everybody just wanted a view or a hit. So she just made it official and credible for us. So that was an important thing for us. Every hour you would hear Miss Info, you know, ID and kind of breaking down some of what's happening in the news. And you guys went down to uh, Puerto Rico together, right? Yeah. What was that like? What happened down there? What was that for? Um, I don't know which time. We went to Puerto Rico a lot of times. I'm Puerto Rican. <laughs> if you don't live down there. No, my, my, my grandmother lives there. My mom lives there. I go to Puerto Rico a lot. Why did you have to throw up on Fifth Avenue? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's different, man. What's the difference between Hot 97 now and Hot 97 a year ago? Does Summer Jam coming up um, feel the same? Yeah, Summer Jam never changes. It's, I, think a, I think Summer Jam is the artist and then some of your favorite DJs. So I think it's more than just a performance or a concert. I think it's an event, you know, and when you think about the, the makeup of Summer Jam, it's, it's been some of the greatest artists to ever perform in one venue. And many cities across the country have Summer Jams now, and they've been doing it for many years. But it seems like, for some reason, this New York thing, that 55,000 stadium, it's just magic. So it's no one person with the brand, you know, the only person... Look, honestly, it's only me and Flex left out of the old regime. So after that, I don't know what's going to happen. But I think, you know, people grow up and people push on. You know, I think I think it'll be fine. Do you feel that like it's a it's a job or does it feel like a family still? Oh, for me, I'm good. It's a family now, but it takes time because you have to trust people again. You have to see what people's vibes is like. And then the music changes and the artists change and, the, you know, everything changes. You know, like initially when we were first were on Hot 97, you know, when Flex first launched it, all the artists came from our back our backyard. But New York reigned supreme here in this in this state. 
and um, and Jersey also. Um, when hip hop moved along and, and and went to different places, you know, whether it was Chicago, L.A., down south, Toronto, you know, it moves around. Um, sometimes the access to the artist isn't as personable as it used to be. You know, where we're at the station, we could just roll up to, you know, Buck's, Buckshot's house in Brooklyn. You know, we could go see Sean Price and knock on his door and be like, yo, we downstairs. <laughs> I could go to Biggie's house and be like, yo, Big, what's up? We downstairs. Let's go. I can't do that with with Future. He's in Atlanta. I can't do that with Thugga Thugga. I can't do that with... So when the music moves around, yeah, we have connections and we still build with them. We still talk through social media. But back in the old days, it was just... They're down the block. You could catch them at the supermarket. You could catch them at the movie house. So Did that's, you? That's the, yeah, and that's the difference. We had Laura Styles on the podcast, uh-huh. and she told us about how Future broke thanks to the Heavy Hitters retreat. Yeah. Well, we, we were having a great time in Atlanta. A lot of us never been to Magic City. And, you know, we, we started doing strip clubs last five, six years ago. And all I kept hearing was the strip clubs in New York are shit. The best ones are in Atlanta. So we went to go see for ourselves. We went... 40, 50 deep, a bunch of DJs from across the country, and Future was fucking with us. The records were playing, and we came back and started playing fucking Tony Montana. (laughs) You know, but it kind of like, I I don't want to say we gave him his career. He was already buzzing, but we just, we sprinkled it across the country at one shot, and I think that's what helps springboards, you know, artists. But isn't it also that, like, DJ Wala... Uh, he heard Wala Magic. <laughs> yes, that too. Yes, DJ Wala from Jersey, 100%. Um, all right, so uh, speaking of going south, um, I know a story that you told about going down to North Carolina with Biggie. What? Were we in a snowstorm? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you retell that? Um, yeah. <laughs> snowstorm, Notorious B.I.G., Junior Mafia on the road. Snowstorm, North Carolina. Never snows in North Carolina. It never snows in North Carolina. The city shut down. It's only three, four inches, but the city shut down. There's no salt. There's no sanitation department. There's nobody sweeping the uh, the highways, the streets. So it's a mess. So we were stuck in this little motel in North Carolina, and there was ice, nothing but ice from our our, our door room. All the way to our bus. So we, <laughs> Biggie's 600 pounds. <laughs> and he had alligator shoes on from doing a show. So you do the math. Alligator <laughs> shoes on 600 ice. Pounds. 600 pounds. And imagine little Kim and little C's trying to hold Biggie up. <laughs> and, and we're all holding hands, like <laughs> inching. Like it's just, I can't picture, I can't explain it to you, but just p- imagine Big Papa. Because Big Papa can't fall. He can't. If Big Papa was to fall, that'd be the worst. <laughs> I feel like that's like a metaphor. I know. Yeah, so, I mean, that was one of the craziest stories. Like, just Meanwhile, everyone's trying to keep him up, but really, everyone was trying to hold him down. Exactly. Right? Wow. Exactly. Do you have any good Puff stories? Um, and what do you call him, by the way? I think I do call him Puff. Call him Puff? Yeah. Like, throughout even all when, the changes. Yeah, even when he went through Diddy. No, I called him Diddy for a little while, too. But Puff, we call him Puff. Puff is... um. 
I used to have a love and hate relationship with Puff in the beginning because coming up when it, when we were on tour, Puff would take me off the off the tours and put the big DJ in, and I used to break my heart every time. I'd be like, "Yo, what the fuck? I'm on tour with these guys. The seven of us deep. We going to every. We go from roller skating rinks, cornfields, stadiums, <laughs> and now we back home at the Apollo. You want to take me out and put a big name DJ?" Like those things broke my heart, but then you know after that last that, that that after that time Biggie stepped up for me and was like nah, we gonna rock with enough and enough only, so no more changing DJs and that's when I knew he had my back. Mm. Uh, what was your relationship with Clark Kent? Amazing. Uh, he was the foundation because when I got on tour, by the time I got on tour with Big Clark was the foundation. He was the he was the guy who put the music together. You know, he had he had it all set up nice, the mixes and everything. So he was the foundation guy. So he went on tour first, then he got popping with the, the beats and the remixes. Yeah, yeah. So he had to go make that money. So it was nice. It's like it was a nice He was the one that gave you the keys to yeah, like the Like, yeah, yeah, my man, do your thing. Yeah. Um, can you talk about when you first met fifty? Fifty. Um, I don't remember when I met met fifty. I just remember playing this music doing the morning show playing these songs and honestly I'm gonna keep it real I didn't know what the messages in the music meant back then like I didn't know he had beef with murdering I didn't know he had beef with this guy and I didn't know this drug dealer did this and I didn't know any of that I was just naive and just young and playing music on the radio having a great time so you know we, we would play you know the big pun record where he disses everybody yeah yep. I mean the uh, the record where he this is like pun and yeah, 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 everybody yeah, yeah. so had I, yeah had a rob yeah. we played that and and then we played like the track masters records and you know what's good about Fifty Cent by the way even if you don't understand what he's talking about he tells you directly <laughs> yeah he does you were on stage at Summer Jam when Fifty Cent started throwing chairs oh yeah that's right what was that like I think him and uh, Fifty and Bangham Smurf from Queens yeah who used to roll with him uh, they had beef. They was going back and forth, you know, throwing chairs at each other. It was crazy. Did you? And in the moment of that happening, the stage, part of the stage got, like, disrupted or something and pulled apart. So then, like, four or five crates of records just... Came crashing down. Yeah, it came crashing <laughs> down. And I lost all my music that night. Who used to carry your crates for you? L Bugs. Really? Yeah, L Bugs. Uh, Cass, Did you do a good job? DJ Cass One. Really? Um, trying to think who else used to carry my crates. Yeah, a, lo- a lot of the heavy hitters. You know, dudes that CeeLo, DJ CeeLo, mm-hmm. guys like that. Crazy. But um, it, it just felt good, man, because like, you know, Kanye, the Puns, Fifties, even Ja Rule, like. Just DMX, being able to be a part of all these guys blowing up, it's just amazing to me because they're icons in the game. And they're so, they're, to me, they're, one of the, you know, they're some of the most credible rappers to ever do it. Obviously, everyone knows where Hot 97 is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, all, down the, it's down the block. And yeah. all these rappers would wait outside over yeah. the years. Did you discover anybody standing outside? I think Uncle Murder. Really? I think oh, Uncle Murder... He would always come outside. Um, Did he have a good pitch line, or was it just, yo, nah, he hire just, me? He was just, <laughs> nah, he was just like, yo, son, we out here, East New York. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was, it was always a movie outside, man, but 
I don't. I would always throw everybody to K. Slade. Like <laughs> K. Slade, he's right there. Go get him. You know what I'm saying? Because K. Slade always represented the streets. But meanwhile, K. Slade's not like an approachable dude. Nah, but he'll, he'll fuck with you. No, he didn't fuck with us. One time, nah? we, <laughs> no. One time we met. We met. Uh, we, so early on in our career, we were doing sketches back in like 2007, 2008, uh, 2009. We were at Atlantic Records in the lobby at the old Atlantic Records, right? And we saw K-Slay there, and we were like, oh, my God, look at that huge jacket. That's K-Slay. We have to meet him. We don't usually ask for drops, but we had to ask for a drop from him. We're like, you have to say it's the real. Or, or I guess, something. Or we could do, like, a sketch at some point. Something. Right. And he was like, no, no, no. I'm eating a hot dog. I'm in the middle of eating a hot dog. He's like, I don't want to be on camera right now. Don't get me on camera. We're like, all right. We're like, okay. Like, right. you know, our bad. We didn't want to be, like, rude or whatever. A week later... He's during the Uncle Murda, uh, Papoose, and Buffy the Body like beef, beef, like which was real beef, right? He put out a video that went crazy viral of him sitting, sitting on, on a, a toilet, toilet, taking a shit, and eating a bowl of cereal. And we're like, you can do that, but you can't fucking eat a hot dog and say it's the real. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so no, Case is not approachable. <laughs> That's crazy. Where did the Goen brothers come from, and how quickly did that disappear? Um, the Goen brothers came from, I think, you know, let's keep it 100. You know, there's a lot of DJs who are famous right now who we used to call push-button DJs. You know, this is before the laptops. This is instant replay, instant replay machines, you know, and... You a lot of fam- you know a out. lot of famous DJs. Real talk, your favorite DJs they they press buttons. So I think me Flex and Mr. C was like, "Yo, what is this? These guys don't go in, man. They don't go in at all." And I think somebody was making a joke like, "Well, you're you're the only ones left. You're the going brothers. You're the ones that go in. They cut, scratch, blend." Mm-hmm. But it's an art form that is is being lost as we speak. And um, I don't think it's I don't know who to blame. I don't know if it's just time. Or technology, but because I don't even, I can't even blame technology because technology has done a great job of, you know, actually recreating what we used to do. So, sure, you know, maybe the, maybe, I don't know, y'all tell me, maybe you're tired of bringing the record back 10 times, you know, (laughs) that's what it is, you know, it's, uh, there's a way you gotta, there's an art to doing it without sounding so redundant, you know what I'm saying? So, while we're talking about DJs, how come, uh, the Upper West Side never gets shouted out at concerts. Never. Because nobody from the hood lives on the Upper West Side. Uh, not true. South Harlem, South Harlem is a real thing. Yo, stop with the South Ha shit, man. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> we used to text DJ enough all the time and be like, yo, shout out South Harlem on the radio. And he'd be like, yo, these idiots. <laughs> <laughs> they want me to shout out South Harlem right now. Call in. Uh, Was it Soha? Yeah. No, but we no. don't call it Soha. We call it South Harlem. Yeah, actually, that's the thing. No, so, you called it Soha in the beginning. No, we didn't. I no, promise you. you. Did. I promise you. I you promise called you. it Soha because you're, sure? you're like yeah. a real estate agent. <laughs> so one time, do you remember this? One time we were at Jeezy's documentary screening and you introduced us. You were like, oh, my God. You have uh, to meet DJ SNS. Yeah, you were like, he represents Harlem. You guys are from South Harlem. You're this like, is be hilarious. And so we go over there and we're like, <laughs> do you know about South Harlem? And DJ SNS was just like... What, what is South, South Harlem? Harlem? You see? Yeah. And we were like, it's a one block radius around like the Whole Our, Foods. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's our apartment. And he was just like, he was like. Let me tell you about South Harlem. He's like, no, there he's, is no South Harlem. 
we got pushed back from 59th Street to 125th, and like he gave us like a dissertation. And we're Eric like, and I were just like, but but it's just but but DJ enough, and I yeah. That We're just like it's, well. it's, it's a joke. Yeah. It's a joke. He didn't like the joke. And yeah, you were cracking up the whole I was time. Cracking up. Yeah. Um, you were also there when we met Puff. You were. We were at. We were outside of Santos, and that was like the heyday of like Santos. And yeah. right. Puff would go and dance and 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 we had been dissing him on Twitter all day. And you were like, "Yo, do you guys know Puff?" <laughs> <laughs> yo, you, yo, these two white boys are stupid. I swear <laughs> to God. Stupid, 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 stupid. With the changing dynamic of of what radio means, where the the rise of the internet, what does the heavy hitters mean right now? Um, I think we're still a force. You know, we do we do Shea Forty Five on Monday nights. It's important to you know play whatever we want. Um, we still have DJs who are all over the place. You know, like. You got like a DJ Mo Beach who DJs for like a Big Sean. You got like a Felly Fell who's on the West Coast. He plays all kind of like rhythm crossover music. You got my man Bay Bay in Dallas who's famous for the Hey Bay Bay, Hey Bay Bay. You know like all those dances that y'all be seeing. Like he's on top of them from day one. A lot of them come from Sheeport, Louisiana, Atlanta, and it's like it's a whole it's a whole cult thing. So it's just we're all still part of the cult foundation. It's just. Everybody had to switch their dial. You know what I'm saying? So it's not just the radio. It's not just the clubs you're at. It's no longer just the mixtapes you put out or the albums you produce. It's doing podcasts right here at SOBs. You know <laughs> oh, what I'm saying? Are we heavy hitters? Of course you are. We can work on it. <laughs> can we come to the retreats? No, not yet. Not yet. Hold Hire on. me. Guys, give it up one time for DJ Enough. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm Eric. I'm Jeff. That's DJ Enough. Joe Button is coming on. Remember, by the way, there are T-shirts and sweatshirts for sale right back there by the bar. There's specialized T-shirts for the podcast. Um, thanks to Joe Button. Thanks to Rory. Thanks to Marissa. And thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Waste of Time with It's The Real. Jeff, where can they go if they want to hear more from us? Behind the tennis courts. That's right. Meet us there. Or if they want to hear more of this podcast, where can they find it? Uh, you can go on SoundCloud.com slash A Waste of Time. You can also go on iTunes and search for A Waste of Time with It's The Real. Listen, go rate, review, tell a friend. Jeff, do you have a friend you want to tell? I would like to tell Casey McAdams. A- Wow. Wow. I didn't tell her last week, so no. I didn't know who that was. You know who I want to tell this week? Who? Zach Felberg. Why? Because you told Casey and I'm going to tell Zach. And then they can talk to each other and talk about our podcast. How about that? Try to Stephen Barnett. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you again next week. How about that? Yeah, it seems like a good idea. Let's do it. Bye.